Well, did we uh, did we ever do a wood update? I feel like there was a lot of discussion about my excess wood, and uh, I never really did the follow up <laughs> on on what happened with it. Ooh, no, no, we, like we, we have uh, yeah. no update. You didn't send it to Austin. I can confirm that that was a solution that you did not go with. So, yeah, yeah. what did you do? Put it outside, free free sign. What happened? Well, so I, I uh, we scheduled a bulk trash pickup right at there our doorstep. Go. I think I, we haven't gotten the bill yet, but I think I'm going to have to pay like 30, 35 euro, something along those lines. And uh, we dragged all the wood, not dragged, we carried all the wood to the curb. Uh, and, you know, we live on the, as Americans would say, second floor. We live on the second floor, the third floor, and the fourth floor of a four-story building, right? So we've got big stairs that come up. Uh, I should say tall. They're they're like Dutch stairs, so they're not big like American stairs. You know, American stairs. Each stair is ba- about the size of a Dutch uh, single apartment. Uh, <laughs> is what you have going there. So, oh, somebody lives on the landing. Yeah, yes, yes. So, so we have uh, you know, like knots landing. That's what they're talking about. I think. So you you go up the stairs. So we had to take it all down there, and I was getting nervous because I had um, you had to specify um, the cubic meters of material that was being oh, wow. picked up oh no one said there'd be math yeah and and so so i selected i feel like one or two cubic meters because i'm doing it in my head and i'm like two mm. cubic meters in, in is small. a lot uh, is a lot of volume right like that is mm. a big i don't think so go on i, I mean it's a big yeah. it's 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 a big like amount of space now the problem was right so a lot of the wood was much longer than one meter, right? Uh-huh. So well, but I was, was it longer than two? Now, no, well, hold on. See, this is where the cubic meter thing uh, goes it's a little here. wonky, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like that is a measure in my mind of total volume, not yeah. length, right? So in my mind, right? <laughs> oh, like, I see what, how you're getting. So, oh, so what, okay. I, what I'm thinking yes. is like if I were to put all of this wood into a chipper shredder, Yes. Could uh-huh. I fit it into a one to two meter cube box? <laughs> and then would it come out? Would it come out like all compressed into a right? Right. Because meter. otherwise, otherwise, why are you doing mm. like cute? Why are you doing cubes? Like if mm. you just want length and height, then just do that. Yeah, but right? but if, if, if yeah. but but aren't they just going to show up with like a you know a, a one one meter by one meter by two meter box and say put it in there? Now that would be amazing if the, <laughs> if, if it was actually. That would be, I, I don't know if you know, uh, Matt Ray, but I live in the Netherlands, not Germany. Yeah. Oh, so okay. they, they're not going to, they're not going to like engineer the perfect box for my specifications and mm. expect that I can fit it in there. Well, but, but, but mentally that's where I am. I'm like, it needs to yeah, fit yeah, in that totally. box. Yeah, totally. No, and so that is, that was my concern is, is like, I was like, oh, when, when we made the big pile, I was like, I think I might've uh, underestimated this and I don't know what's going to happen now. Right. Cause Cause we did all this work to pull this wood down and like, you know, like, like everyone, um, if you violate the, uh, uh, the specification of the job to be done, the people who are doing a job they don't really like are going to be like, Oh, sorry. Bye. Right. Yeah. Like they're not, there's no imagination in it because it's a, not <sighs> a great job. Yeah. So I'm, we put it all out there. I'm stressed out. I'm also stressed out because it's a tall pile of wood. It comes up to about, let's say, knee high. And at some point... What, what, what's I, that in meters? Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how tall you are. Uh, but 
you know, also I had had Cormac help and, and he had put something on and, and the wood had fallen over. He was fine. But, you know, so now we've got this tower of wood. And so I'm thinking like, you know, is this going to fall over? What's going to happen? And I'm always wondering what the neighbors think. I mean, I'm sure the neighbors are like, so it's crazy loud Americans over there, right? Mm -hmm. Like they just like, whatever. Uh, so I'm a little worried about it. <clears throat> but so we put it out, we go to sleep. And then uh, I think I biked the kids to school the next morning. The pile of wood was fine. And I came back and it was all gone. They had just taken it. Yeah. It was great. And, and it, it, it worked out fine. And, and I, think, I think it just goes to show you that uh, what you need to do is just go through life assuming things are going to work out. And when they don't, <laughs> then you get upset. You don't want to pre-get upset because getting upset ahead of time, it just means that like things are going to work out and you've also gotten upset. So it's like you just ruined the whole experience. Like yeah. you're, you're and, I, that, that's that's the difference between me and maybe some other people in my family. <laughs> wait, wait, which, which which side are you on? The, oh, uh, I, I'm on the like things are going to work out just fine. You know, is this like, why you have a dog, Matt Ray? Oh, that dog is all about optimism. <laughs> yeah, that is that is exactly that picture you're showing, Matt Ray. I mean, who, whoever did that, Brandon, that's exactly the picture that I looked up. And I was like, I don't know. I think if you got all the what we're seeing here is uh, someone standing next to a bunch of box that's one cubic meter. And I looked at that and I was like, I don't know. I mean, if you had all this wood, I mean, it's long. But if you sawed the wood in half, it would the, the volume would be one cubic meter. <laughs> yeah, but what if you had had like you know a piece of wood that was like ten meters long? But you know, just like you know, it does seem like the person it, the way this question is asked, I guess on the website or however you did it. It, um, I think they must have encountered this problem quite a bit. It's like, well, the total volume versus the like how it would be more like this. It's total volume versus how oddly shaped. The, yeah. the object is like uh -huh. like there should almost be a checkbox or something along the lines of is this a you know an oddly shaped object that's gonna be like you know very hard to move that that seems like um or they just right, like right, oh, right, right, right. nobody maybe maybe they just figured out like ah, it doesn't really matter what questions we ask we just show up and we just make it happen you know <laughs> i mean I, th I think i think ultimately when it comes to uh refuse collection it's usually the second right it's just like you put all this process around it and it's basically like a couple of people show up, they have a gigantic truck and they put all the stuff in the gigantic truck and it gets crushed. And that that's sort of like, but I, I feel like the people who make the forms for you to fill out that they don't want like, you know, they don't want the form to be like, I would like to request two people to come stick stuff in a giant truck and crush it. Like that doesn't feel like what a, bureau, a bureaucrat wants to put in a form. So they have to, uh, no pun intended, formalize it. This episode is brought to you by StrongDM. Are you managing a gazillion SSH database passwords and Kubernetes certs? How do you manage an audit at that scale? Meet StrongDM, the only way to simplify infrastructure access and audit controls across any environment, no matter how diverse. StrongDM extends any SSO to centrally manage access to databases, servers, and Kubernetes clusters, so onboarding and offboarding can be done in a single click. Escalate privileges with just-in-time access and automatically log every query and command. Trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi, StrongDM is the only way to manage access and audit controls at scale without disrupting your workflows. Start your 14-day free trial at strongdm.com slash SDT. There's no credit card required. That's strongdm.com slash SDT. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show.
Well, you know, we're always angling to hear uh, what the deal with Docker is. And there was a uh, there was a two pager in InfoWorld. It's very rare, I think, in InfoWorld where you read down to an article and you see like, click for next. Right. Like yeah. I think I, and this was a uh, I, I forget the, the person who wrote it, but they did a great job. A lot of reporting, a lot of quotes from people from uh, Docker people, from uh, the, the big, the big, uh, the Solomon guy himself. They got, um, they got Joe and Craig, I think, uh, now here at VMworld, VMware of Kubernetes. VMworld is coming up, however. You should keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, they got them to comment on it. It was, it was pretty good. Now, I don't think that the article, like, it got really close to like the, uh, to like some sort of insider, like juicy stuff. Like, yeah. but, but, uh, but that's fine. You know, it's, it's a very respectable article. We don't need to have the, uh, the, uh, you know, rubbernecking on things so much, but, uh, I think, I think it did, it did sort of introduce some, maybe not new concepts, but it has some people on the record talking about, uh, what happened. I, I think we should have a couple of, good. I think a few of these quotes, like, I think they were fantastic quotes for tech, right? So, yeah. yeah. Craig over uh, from now at VMware, you know, he's talking about at the time um, that there's talk about like, well, what's going to happen with Kubernetes and Docker's trying to figure out what, what they're going to do. So there's discussion of maybe um, Kubernetes will be offered up to Docker. So yeah. I thought uh, this Yeah, that was quote, interesting. I thought this whole cool. quote was really good. So uh, he basically says, uh, let's see, he says the following. He says, uh, they offered to donate Kubernetes to Docker, but the two, ties, two sides couldn't come to an agreement. And then here's the quote from Craig. There was a mutual element of hubris there from them that we didn't understand developer experience. But the reciprocal feeling was these young upstarts, referring to the Docker people, uh, really don't understand distributed systems management. And I was like, this mm. perfectly encapsulates <laughs> where we are today with Kubernetes. I was like, this is this problem has this statement has propagated since the beginning of Kubernetes to this moment. Because I would say this is where we are today. It's always like, well. Operators like it. Developers a little frustrated, and <laughs> lots of people trying to make it simpler, right? And it's just like the developers. So it's both. Won. I don't, yeah. you know, you know. I mean, from his perspective, it, it seems like they just. It, it's almost like operations and developers arguing, just perfectly encapsulated here. So yeah, that's why I, I thought I, it was really well done or well, I, well I said. Think, I think you're right, Brenda. When I read this yesterday or today, whenever it was, like I'm, I'm remembering now that that was like my mate. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me, I was getting a little choked up there. That was my major, uh, like, uh, summary thought is, is I've I've been thinking that over the next year, what we need to hear more from the Kubernetes community. Like, I'm always obsessed with like, what does what does Kubernetes want, and and what that really means is like, what do the people who create Kubernetes want? What are their intentions, right? And I think. You know, the last thing I think we heard about what Kubernetes wants is that it's a platform for building platforms, which which is fine. But I think I think what we're getting closer to, or I was thinking as I was reading through this, is I think what Kubernetes wants is for developers not to touch it, right? Like I think <laughs> I think I think there there's kind of like in my mind there's this uh, version of what DevOps is that DevOps actually doesn't involve very much at all about application developers. The dev and DevOps is more about operations people becoming more developer oriented yeah. and doing things. And so, so based on that, 
And, and you, you know, as you were just kind of summarizing, and there's a little bit more nuance added to it in the quotes in the article, but you've summarized it good, Brandon, or well, I should say, is I think what you pick up on is that Docker was developers making things quick and easy for developers. And Kubernetes was like, let's make things quick and easy for operations people. And like, let's build a platform that like operations that, that appeal to what operations people need. And maybe not worry so much about what developers are doing because Kubernetes doesn't want developers to touch it, right? Like we like, and and that's that's how we we end up with the, uh, I don't know, with with the split between the, the two, the, the split in UX, yeah, 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 uh, exactly. I mean, exactly. I mean so, so so definitely, I'm with you in some aspects of that. Like I I agree that um, Kubernetes is like we need to start by nailing the theory before we nail the implementation. Right, you know, yeah, this needs yeah, to be provably correct before we like, you know, make sure that that uh, it's usable. And you know, Docker was like, you know, hey, we need to make this as easy and appealing to use. Um, you know, and you know, we'll work on the all the like the hard, you know, the esoteric operations problems that you have with distributed systems. And we'll worry about that later. But you know, so 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 Docker absolutely nailed, you know, the user experience. It was so much right. better than this, you know, Rube Goldberg I, of trying to get VMs on your desktop to behave like containers. Yeah. And then yeah, in the interest yeah. of, uh, you know, equal time here, I think, you know, Solomon Hikes from Docker, right. He comes back with, I think, an equally uh, enlightening quote. So he basically says, uh, Hikes does acknowledge that there were tensions between the Docker and Google teams at the times. And then quote, there was a moment when egos prevailed. A lot of smart experienced people at Google were blindsided by the complete outsiders at Docker. Hikes said, we didn't work at Google. We didn't go to Stanford. We didn't have a PhD in computer science. <laughs> Some people felt like it was theirs to do, uh, to do. So there was a battle of egos. The result of that was not a good collaboration between Docker and Kubernetes teams when it really made sense to collaborate. And I think that is like perfect, right? It's like the Google, just what you're saying, Matt, the Google kind of coming in from a theoretical PhD, certainly a, I want to build a great distributed system mentality. And you really get the sense here that, Hikes and the Docker team are like, we're developers, we're building stuff quick. It's we need to make it fast, we need to make it easy, and not really coming with, with that same background. And you can tell <laughs> just in these two quotes, right? I mean, I think they're pretty I think they just said what they mean, but I think you could read between the lines. Like if you had beers, you'd probably get some even better quotes uh, out of them. But uh, I think that the point is like, yeah, it's clearly like the Docker is like, it needs to be about the developer experience and the Google teams. No, it's about the operational experience. And and like I said earlier, like that's where we are today. Well, and, and I think I think to pull apart what Cote was saying, it, it's not it's not the operational experience as an operator of the platform. It's div you want to make a platform for developers to deploy to without knowing about the platform, right? That's the reason GitOps is so popular in the Kubernetes scene. Is they're yeah, like, yeah. look, look, look. If you just code your stuff this way, you don't have to worry about the platform. And like as an operator, you're like, yeah, but what happens? With the, you know how do I debug this platform? And they're like, that's not our problem. You know, we're, we're here to give this like nice API to, and this is the same problem that like OpenStack had where as an operator, it sucked, you know, because it was super complicated to debug and understand. But if you could provide this nice clean API to the consumers, you know, the developers, they didn't really care. And, and, and to me, that's where Kubernetes is, is, you know, you, we're we're continuing to tell people 
just code it this way and it'll be fine. And yeah, you know, I, don't I, worry I, about under the covers. Right? I think, I think, you know, I, I think you're onto something there, Matt Ray, like all, all, all the things you've been saying, which is, I think operator experience is much different than developer experience. Mm-hmm. Like there's two, I, I don't, I, I've never really been an ops person, but I would assume there's at least two things that an operator cares about as far as experience. And I think one to 80 on a hundred scale is it doesn't break. Like I'm pretty sure they're, they're interested. <laughs> and, and this is, this is why you start like why for an operations person starting with theory and principles is important, right? Cause it's like, Above all else, I value something that doesn't break, right? Like yeah. it might be difficult or weird to like deal with, but like if it breaks and it's easy to use, I don't care, right? Like if it's hard to use and it doesn't break, I love it, right? Like like it's fine. The ease of use is is a secondary concern to like it shouldn't break, right? So if you're building a system that is based on ease of use above works, there's the high potential for an operations person to be like, I, I'm not interested. Like, you know, for example, Linux and Unix, right? Like very complicated, hard to figure out, but kind of like reliable, right? Uh, you know. About, yeah, but I, there, there's, there's also like this, I, I, I don't know, uncanny valley of, of, you know, works for operations of like, you know, Windows back in the day. You know, you had a lot of operators of Windows infrastructure like, oh, yeah. I understand the failure cases of Windows, and it's easy to administer, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. right, right. You know, and, and so, so Windows so, would fail a lot, but it had good tooling to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, I mean, so maybe you know that makes sense as well. And and so that's the other part is like when it does break, it's possible for me to fix it. Yeah, right. Like or and possible. Like I wonder if this is true. I, I bet I bet the way that you rate the goodness of possible is based on the amount of time it takes you, not the difficulty of it, right? Because really, your suffering is going to come from spending a long time figuring out what a problem is. Not that like you've got to like sit there and think and make your brain hurt, right? So it's okay if it's difficult to figure out how something uh, like like how how you diagnose and fix something, but if it takes a long time, that's a problem. Right. Like taking a long time is terrible. And I don't know where I'm going with that, but like (laughs) I'll go in this tangent with you, too, because what people liked about Linux was they never got blocked by having to wait for um, Microsoft support. You know, they could like continue to dig for themselves. Right. It wasn't like, well, at this point, I've opened a ticket and we just wait. You know, so you could get people who could go off in the weeds and and, you know, why didn't it back up? up the stack like uh, docker came at it with a very windows look and feel right i mean Mm. it was just like look there's a lot of complexity here but let's just give you something easy to consume and usable and you know boom they captured you know 95 percent of the desktop you know not virtualization but you know the the containerization story you know there were hard ways to do it before right you know there there were jails and there were you know lxc and and all sorts of yeah you know obtuse you know complicated things but like you needed you needed someone to make it easy and consumable and that's what they did with the containerization story and then they're like we're going to do this with you know the orchestration layer next 
and the Kubernetes folks kind of showed up and they're like, no, 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 you're, you're coming into an area that's so complicated. You need to make sure you've thought this through before you do it. And right, I think right, that's right. where the tension was. You had like, you had, you know, your, your uh, Stanford, you know, MIT folks showing up and being like, no, 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 no. You know, you, you can't just YOLO this thing. And, and, and not the swarm was YOLOing it. It's just like, you know, the Google folks are like, we've been doing this for 10 years, right? We know, we know what you're, you know, we know where the landmines are. We've, we've been here. Let's do this. And, you know, that's why there was this tension. You know, you had, mm-hmm. you had the mm-hmm. people who were like, you know, we, we understand the theory and we have, you know, a, a reference implementation for you to, to start with. And you had the people like, you know, we're just feel it out from here. Yeah, we'll, we'll. <laughs> but like I think it's kind of like if you play that the timeline out, then I don't. I can't say I have a lot of hands-on knowledge of Swarm, so it's always dangerous to comment on. But like I don't ever remember people saying like, "Oh, this is really easy to use, and this is so much better than Kubernetes." I think you would get like, "Oh, there's pros and cons," but there wasn't. So I don't know if that you know maybe they just well, ran out of time. They never achieved the yeah. vision, or they just. They didn't to kind of Craig's point here. They didn't really, you know, didn't respect the history. It's like, hey, is everyone wants to make it easy until they start building these things out, and it's like, turns I, I, out I don't even know if it cases. was a technical. I don't, I don't know if they got a chance to get to the corner cases. I think Kubernetes. I think there was the like tension with the open source community around Docker and Moby and all that stuff. At the same time, Kubernetes, you know, was finding traction, and there was this reticence from other enterprise players to play with Docker, you know, while, while they're like, look, this Kubernetes thing is out in the open. It's a free for all. We can, you know, we can open stack this thing. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and so I, I think, you know, I don't think that Swarm got a chance to, to, you know, to find out if it was a real competitor. Yeah, so I think Kubernetes. you're right. I mean, I think may, maybe, I don't know. You know, there's lots of different opinions of why Google open source Kubernetes, but one of them could just simply be, "Hey, we 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 have to prevent anyone from becoming the next VMware." Yeah, and we're absolutely. going to we're going to quickly put out the orchestrator platform. We're going to make it open source. We're going to get buy-in from AWS and Azure as much as possible, right? And yeah, we're going to neutralize. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to neutralize Swarm as being the best choice, and then of course. You know, Docker, I don't know when in the timeline it happened. Docker turns down the whatever multi-billion dollar offer from Microsoft, right? Because that that would be definitely an interesting alternate history, right? It was like, okay, oh, Microsoft yeah. sort of gets off the Kubernetes train and is all in on the swarms side. And like, what does that look like? I mean, yeah, yeah they, that, that wasn't even mentioned in the article, I don't think, right? Mm, I think some. Well, there, there was maybe. talk about the acquisition offers, right? Mm, yeah. um, that they turned down some some uh you know have to go through the article and find it but yeah there were there were acquisition offers that were made uh that were considered you know too low ball or whatever and uh you know low they ball. were turned down but yeah it, it would have been nice if if we were in some sort of uh you know hyper v versus vmware scenario today but both sides were actually like open source and uh not that there's you know i i don't know if there's enough um headspace in the the you know developer and operations community to support two large things like uh like kubernetes right it's like it's hard to get enough developers working on it that can you know understand all the pieces of this elephant now you're saying we need two elephants right um well i'm saying we need two elephants but (laughs) competition's good (laughs) yeah you you know i'm also remembering reading through this started me thinking 
you know, the other, the other thing to ask in this context is always like compared to what, like, because, <laughs> because it's, it's uh, to, to, to only focus on like, like Docker and Kubernetes excludes like probably 90% of the workloads running well, out ex- there. It, it, well, it also <laughs> excludes, you know, some of the other runner ups like Mesosphere and Nomad. Oh, and- it, it, yeah. I mean, I mean, just like, like, uh, somewhere in our Slack channel. Which you could go to if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and click on uh, click on the Slack link. You can follow the the uh, the links people have and everything. There was a post about someone estimating uh, where the spend comes in AWS, and I think like most most of it was like EC2 and A and S3. Right? Yeah, it's like half EC2. Yeah, and I I didn't do the research to find out who was saying this or how they estimated, but whatever. Let's just run with it because my whole screen here is going to be ruined if that's false. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that would be terrible, but it's sort of like, so it seems like the baseline is probably not the baseline. What, what nor- the normal is like running in VMs, probably lamp stacks and running on EC2 with S3 stuff and like typical three tier applications. And I don't know, like if I were to th- remember some vague Gartner things, like that's, 85 to 90% of the workloads out there, if not more. And so like, I, one of the things I was realizing is that there's not really that much conversation about why is that bad? And I know I work at VMware, so I sound like I'm being like, you know, (laughs) just keep doing that. But it's, it's more of a point of like, in the context of all the, the discussion that is always in Kubernetes when it comes to developers is that it's difficult to use. Right. And so like, you know, listeners here know that my question is always like, so why don't we fix that? Right? Yeah. Like that, that, that would be, if, if your thing is difficult to use, seems like that would be a high priority item, right? Which kind of goes down the path of like, well, it's not for the people who think it's difficult and it's for operations, but it also kind of like brings up the question, like, and the thought exercise of like, well, it's probably a good idea to remember why we're doing this difficult thing. Yeah. Is it and worth anyone- it? Does anyone remember, like, I mean, is the previous way of doing things so terrible? Like, and, and I'm not I'm not asking that in a way like I think the answer is no or whatever. It's just like I, I, I was uh, reflecting, uh, as they say, after reading this, that like, I don't think anyone talks about that anymore. Like, and so I went to go look, I went to go look up like, you know, what are the reasons you would do container based architectures? And I was reading through it and I have some more homework here to do. But all of the reasons to use container-based architectures like are the same reasons to use any based architecture, right? Like you could have swapped that in for like using Windows or probably COBOL or like you're probably running on Fortran 74 and you want to use Fortran 78. Like, you know, I mean, they were all the same sort of reasons of uh, agility, cost, uh, and reliability, right? Like, and, and it's so... Like I, I, I've, I think I found some, um, some like convincing reasons of why doing container-based architectures are better, based on the technology. But it made me realize that like we don't really, and by we I mean whoever's listening to this and vendors and people using all this stuff. Like we don't really talk about that much. We just are sort of like, yeah, we need agility, but it's sort of like, well, you don't have that. <laughs> which well which I think, I mean, to be fair now like i think what the way it comes out is more like let's take so the traditional like 
Apple uh, architecture, data centers I've got, all these servers I've got VMware running, everything's good. Um, and everything hums along for a while. But then what you find is these VMs are highly coupled to the operating system. So you end yeah, up with like yeah. a bunch of like Windows 2008. Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly it's like, well, why don't, to your point, it's like people are like, well, we just need to replatform these to Windows 2016, right? Or whatever, something supported. And like, how hard is that? Turns out pretty hard, right? Like, like yeah. just grabbing these and then you start to look at like, well, how could this be better? And this is sort of your Matt's world a little bit, right? Then you look into like automated config management and CICD and like, oh, can we have some layers of abstraction here and not be so coupled so that the next time the Windows operating system or Linux or anybody deprecates that we can rebuild these a lot faster. And, you know, when you're sitting and you say to yourself, well, like, well, one Windows VM, you know, 2008, it isn't, a, that's not a big problem. I think the problem and the thing that weighs the organization down to your agile point is like when you've got, thousands of these vms right sitting there and you have to try to convert them and you're staring at millions of dollars in either migrations cost and you know new licensing right to get all that working um that's the point where you're like whoa the whole team is going to be doing this for the next two years and not doing anything related to the business and like how could we do it better and that's where i think people start reading about containers as like hey here's a better faster cheaper way to do it um, even if they don't haven't experienced it, they're just sort of like that looks like a really good solution. Well, yeah. and, and and the benefits of of adopting any framework is is standardization of constraints. You know, you're you're telling people like, look, mm-hmm. if it fits in this p- pattern, you get these benefits. And the benefits of containerization are, you know, it can run anywhere, and you know, your application sits in this box and that's that's pretty amazing because you know what, what brandon's talking about there you know this vm sprawls like there's no standardization there you know it, all you've done is like standardize that software is running <laughs> right and then you know a shout out to no ssh no sshjj of course right is like it doesn't have to be this way but it just tends to be this way like vms just tend to be long-lived and they start to get tweaked and people kind of like you know make you know, small changes to them and, you know, they start, they start to look like the pets, right? And it's just like, I don't, it doesn't have to be like that, but VMs just sort of like gravitate that way. And then there's like a VM that nobody wants to touch, right? And it's been Mm -hmm. running for a long time. And maybe it's running Windows 2000 or 2003 or NT. And it's like, uh uh-oh, like we found ourselves like a real problem. So, so, I mean, that's where I think all of this is coming from. Now, to your point though, like, can we get there? And if we get there, will all of this stuff in Kubernetes be just as complicated? I mean, some days, right? I mean, some days I feel like that and other days I'm like, no, this is the future. So, you know, it well, depends it, on when you get me. If Yeah, there's, somewhere there's this, you know, number of too many VMs versus, you know, containers are worth it. And for some people, you know, if you can run the the mental cost of running a thousand containers versus a hundred thousand is very, very low. Right. Uh, you know, once you once you've adopted the containerization strategy, you know, you, you are kind of uncapped on the high end. You know, you, you a lot of that mental load of like, you know, going from 10 VMs to 100 VMs, it's doable by, you know, one or two admins or whatever, but they can't get to a thousand. Right. Yeah. They just can't. But you know what? You can go from, you know, 10 to 100 to 100,000 containers, you know, relatively easily. Mm, that that would that see that that would be a good thing to have like you remember uh my, some of my favorite ads from the past ever like on the when when there used to be a computer industry magazine still i feel like <laughs> there was i feel like there was a good five-year run where oracle always had the back cover 
Yeah, and they were comparing themselves to like IBM or Sun. I don't even remember. I think it was even Fortune. I think it was even Business Magazines too. Yeah, Yeah. and and it would it would just be a chart of just like maybe this is when they own Sun. I don't remember, but like just Oracle is faster, right? And it's just better. And and so in that sense, that would be like the next time I crack open like some O'Reilly funny animal book about Kubernetes, it'd be great to see just a chart that illustrating what you're saying is just like just by raw compute and cost, or I, I think they would call that performance, uh, like it's better, right? So that would be that that would be high up on the list of things. And, th- and then the next one, like, uh, you know, to, to put in my gobbledygook, one of the excellent points we all were saying is that like, well, what happens in the, um, let's call it not container way of doing things, or... Uh, if you allow people to determine what operating system they're using, that will last you about three years <laughs> before you have problems, right? Like, and mm-hmm. like, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I'm always curious to hear about is like very specific things like price performance is better with containers than with the alternative, whether it's EC2 or VMs or bare metal or whatever. So that would be a fun like thing to see ongoing. And then the other thing would be like, you know, this is one of those weird numbers or whatever, but basically like, unless you're going to keep the operating system up to date on a six month window, what's going to happen is you're going to have this compounding nonsense that two to three years into it, it's going to be very, very difficult to manage all those operating systems and update them. And then the software you have running on top of those operating systems are going to be damaged. And they also suffer that same thing. So eventually it's kind of like, you know, you're not going to be able to deploy your like modify your software very frequently versus versus. And I don't know if, I mean, I think the following is technically true versus if you do more of a container based architecture, uh, you only have one operating system. I mean, this used to be a thing we talk about with PCF a lot, right? That like, there's only one operating system. You don't have all these multiple ones. And so like, like that would be a compelling, like concrete thing. Right. And then on and on and on. It's like, what are all these like when 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 someone is complaining about like how difficult it is or like uh, how much of a change it is, it would be nice to have like here's five points about how this is actually going to make your life better. I yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely there's def- that's definitely a strong aspect of it. I mean, because operations tech debt is it's it's like it's compound interest. You know, the longer you wait on it, the greater it gets. And, you know, I mean, maybe it's a payday loan. I don't know. But like if it's if it's containers, you know, you're paying that you're you know, you're paying your credit card bill at the end of the month. You know, you're you're paying that thing off and it doesn't have a chance to accrue that debt because you're like, oh, you know, we we updated to, you know, Alpine, you know, next version and it just kept working. And so we didn't pick up any technical debt or, you know, we ran into this bug and we fixed it in a week and it didn't linger till you know we're worried about windows 2008 deprecations you know so it definitely eliminates that it it eliminates the ability to have your snowflakes that you know can't fit in that you know in in that container those are still going to exist you know they're still going to be like pets over you know still people still have dogs but um you know the the uh if you can adopt the the cattle or you know ant strategy um, that's going to work better. 
uh, right. and, and, to get yeah, to and, those large scales. And, and then so that that like, you know, just to, to uh, what did you call it, Matt Ray, a tangent to, to, to mess around in the tangent more like that would go back to the, uh, the, the conflict in the article there to essentially <laughs> say, you know, and this is what Kubernetes would say of itself to um, personify it. Right. Is like what we do is we define some uh, atomic units or whatever phrase they use, right? Like we define this set of like, what is it? There's eight, maybe 10 things that exist in the Kubernetes world. There's probably more or fewer, depending on what you count as a thing. Right, but as you're deploying your app, you only get a couple of knobs. Right, right. There's only, yeah. So there's like 10 or less things, right? That, that you can deal with. Mm-hmm. And that is probably like 50 to 300 less than the current state of doing things. Absolutely. Right? And so like, if you have less things, there's like less stuff to mess up essentially. Right. Like it, it's just like, you know, going back to our dishwasher thing, another solution to the dishwasher problem from last week is only have 10 things you would ever have in your kitchen to put in the dishwasher. <laughs> then it's really easy to keep things clean. But that is not realistic for large enterprises, such as Matt Ray's family of uh, seven, as I recall. So it's bigger, not including the dog. (laughs) But but so that that would be another like, you know, maybe a third bullet point on it is just like, you know, people are going to make poor choices about the long term maintainability of what they're doing. And so if you give them less guns to shoot themselves in the foot with. Just by the law of small numbers, there will be less shooting yourself in the foot. And so like <laughs> we're, we're going to limit the amount of things that are there and be pretty strict about what you can do. And then they don't like there's not all this madness uh, that's going on. And the true test of that would be whenever there is a large mega company, let's see, maybe five years from now, mm, let's say five to eight years from now when like everyone's doing container based stuff. And then, and then there's a, a company that acquires the next three competitors in its industry, and they have to consolidate their portfolio. That's when we would see if this standardization thing really pays off, right? Because that's when you get the madness is when you acquire and roll up all these companies and you try to achieve synergies uh, on the similarity of their platforms. Yeah, so, if everyone uh, just adopts Kubernetes, all these acquisitions will be super easy. It, it, it all ties into M&A. This episode is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. Are you looking to build your IT skills? Do you want to learn more about IT security, cloud computing, or networking? Then it's time to visit CBT Nuggets. They offer over 350 courses and over 2,000 virtual labs. They have courses available on everything, including AWS, Linux, VMware, and even Salesforce. Best of all, it's available online so you can learn what you want, when you want. CBT Nuggets adds over 40 hours of new training each week, so there's always something new to learn. They also offer accountability coaching, allowing you to speak with a real person who can help you create a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to make sure you stay on track. To get started, visit cbtnuggets.com sdt. That's cbtnuggets.com sdt. There you can sign up for the seven-day free trial, which gets you full access to all their courses. You know, I looked through there, and I'm always wanting to learn Python more. 
And there's a lot of courses there where you can kind of ramp up into it and uh, even do some advanced networking things with Python. Other topics like that, I may go check that out when I'm done recording this. Anyhow, you can start learning today by going to cbtnuggets.com sdt. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. All right, well, once again, Matt Ray, and I don't mean this to be insulting to Brandon. Perhaps he knows as well, but we're going to start with you. Like so, I, I I read that there is now EKS anywhere, which yes. EKS is of course the uh, hmm, is it Elastic Kubernetes something? Is that what it stands for? Service. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, Elastic Kubernetes Service. I think that's what the EK the E stands so, for. So now, from the very very shallow reading I've done, I think I think the amount of reading I've done you could fit into a tweet, maybe a two thousand eighty. I mean, a two thousand eight tweet. Uh, but oh wow! In in twenty eighty, at this rate, they'll probably allow for fifteen hundred words. I don't know. We'll we'll see. They'll, they'll acquire they'll acquire medium, and your entire Twitter stream will just be medium posts. It'll know. it'll just be live video. Oh, <laughs> you talking? Very nice. That that's Twitter. So so it you know it it sounds like what this means is that I can run EKS Amazon's Kubernetes distro on-premise and probably yes. edge i'm assuming edge as yes. well which is just a type of on-premise as far as i can tell now is that uh is that what's going on here that's exactly what's happening um so right, well, this has been a good episode <laughs> you nailed it kote good night everybody <laughs> uh yeah i mean uh amazon eks is um so amazon had you know they've got eks the managed service you go through the aws console and you get it they were offering it in their AWS Outpost, which is a managed device. You get, you know, and install in your uh, infrastructure, but it's still managed by Amazon. It's, you know, just living in your data center. And this is allowing you to manage, uh, to install EKS on your own hardware uh, and manage it uh, yourself. And so mm. Um, mm. Uh, it's it's uh, open source. Um, they've, you know, thrown it up on GitHub and they've added a lot of documentation and FAQs and a whole lot of tooling around uh, the EKS uh, cuddle command and, you know, put that into homebrew. I mean, it's, uh, it propped out, you know, fully formed, um, you know, probably a lot of it was already there. I just hadn't really, you know, noticed it, uh, but uh, it's definitely uh, ready to go. And it's really, yeah. you know, it's the acknowledgement that, I mean, as we kind of joked like way back when they announced it, right? This is Amazon's or AWS's foray into hybrid cloud, right? After absolutely you know, essentially saying there is no hybrid cloud for a long time. This is their version of like, yes, you can install the hardware and own the hardware if you want, and you can connect it to uh, AWS's services and you can just run it all together. So that's that's probably the biggest thing, right? That it, the, the biggest change, right, in messaging. Um, from Amazon, I think is that. So, so uh, you can run Amazon's Kubernetes distro on your own. Yes, EKS yeah. anywhere, and huh. without without uh, paying Amazon, uh, and also without using you know their uh, um, console if you don't want to. I guess uh, the idea is, you know, this is an this is a competitor to Anthos um, and you know Rancher and you know other on premises uh, Kubernetes distros. Uh, so you can, you know, get it with or without support. Hmm. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's definitely, 
uh, Amazon has finally uh, fully embraced hybrid. Yeah, and I think we should yeah. just to be fair, like Google's been on this for a while with Anthos and GKS, right? And then uh, Azure has allowed you to do this um, as well. So, I mean, the other part that they never talk about here is that you can also install some infrastructure in another cloud like Azure, right? And I think Anthos now, they actually demonstrate it. They actually show you running some uh, clusters in on EC, Amazon, AWS EC2, and it, it all working together. And so you can do that as well. So if you wanted to be multi-cloud, right, you now have that option. And, and well. so, so I have not uh, done whatever one would do to look at the code and diagnose <laughs> it and, and uh, you know, look through the documentation. I just, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, my, my daughter's birthday is tomorrow. So I just couldn't find the time Come to on. go through it. But now, now, you know, you know, my, my question on this stuff is like, so like if I download and run this, is it going to allow me to use like my EMC storage cluster? Like, does it have all the, I don't even know what they call it in the Kubernetes word, but world, but like all the, the storage adapters. to run on things yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, like, like w when it comes, you know, I should probably know this working for a company that does distros as well, but like where, what are the, the norms of the Kubernetes community that when you like open source your Kubernetes distro, like, is it sort of like, yeah, but it only runs on these two sets of hardware or is it like, no, 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 it runs on like whatever you want. Like it's just ready to go if it's if whatever hardware you might want like what what are the expectations that people have um well i you know they they do cover some of the the basics they they uh they have you know distro coverage of you know pretty much they're like you're going to use ubuntu um mm, which right. i thought was a little surprising you know i might want to install it on amazon linux but uh you know a lot of it was ubuntu based or you know running on on vmware um and they they come out with a list of here are the things we officially support, but they link to some some community supported stuff as well. So if you right. wanted to, for example, deploy this on a fleet of Raspberry Pis, uh, you could. Um, but I do think I mean you could run the whole thing independently of Amazon. I mean that is possible. Yes. But I don't I don't think for the most part doing that, you know, probably not going to happen that much, right? It seems like the to me, the use the place that makes the most sense is I want to have some infrastructure, in either for a business reasons because of cost or because of some data sovereignty. I want certain workloads to run on this hardware, but I'm mm. still going to connect that through into the AWS into my AWS. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I I think there are definitely shops that will run it because it's provided by a vendor who's spent the time to like harden it. And they won't come into yeah. contact with AWS. I think this is, you know, you see shops that run CentOS that never talk to a Red Hat. It's the same sort of play where, like, look, I know that I trust that Amazon has put in the work to make sure that this is a good Kubernetes distro. And, you know, so some somebody is probably doing a bake-off of, you know, well, I'm going to do, you know, Rancher at, versus uh, Ubuntu versus uh, EKS of you know supported kubernetes distros that i get i can get for free <laughs> you know because because people still want that cultivated experience they don't want to do kubernetes the hard way but they're also too cheap to like you know pay a vendor that's, that's funny like i i haven't i haven't thought of it like in that way but i want i want the the uh the free bake-off what, what a, what a There's absolutely concept. a free bake-off going off. And and I, yeah. I think... But do you think that's a uh, typical... You think most customers looking at EKS... Not most. 
Not I was most, say, like, but, it could be done, but it's like, it's still, but I, mean, I can is, assure you, is it is end, being done. Right. I don't think, why well, do you have like platform nine? You've, I mean, all these people yeah. you talked about, right. You have so many options. I just, I just like, you know, you do. You go and, this and, route, and I, I think, I think, I think some of the smaller players get further squeezed out. Yeah. yeah. I, I think Amazon is perfectly happy to squeeze out, you know, the long tail of the market and give it away because what will happen is those customers will get big enough on their home home built EKS that when they look, they'll be like, well, we've already tooled around the AWS offering and that's the next logical place to go. And, and so this is Amazon grabbing the long tail away from, you know, the platform nines, the ranchers, the build it yourselves, the, you know, Kubernetes the hard way, you know, it's taking it from them and just saying like, look, we made this thing easy. We'll give it away. You don't have to pay us today. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but when you're ready you're to pay, you're, you're already have right tooled there. everything around EKS. Yeah, that's true. We should also throw out, I'll throw out replicated there. We did an interview with Grant a while back and they, they talked a lot about how they can kind of make it easy to uh, put Kubernetes together and deliver all your software that way. So that's another version of that, the same thing. So I don't know. I mean, we'll, you're right. I mean, it, it definitely can be done. I just, I think of maybe it's just the, uh, the people I talk to, it's more around uh, the immediate I think need I see is just like people like I want to run some workloads on my hardware, but I still want to be connected up to a cloud, whether it be Google or AWS or someone else. And like this sort of answers that question pretty easily. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's the, the easier path. The I want to roll. I want to install this myself and do a bake off. Yes, definitely can be done. Hard, the free bake off. Yeah, the free bake off. It's it's harder. That's harder, but it can be done. You know, yeah, that is so well. One like. I wonder. I mean, how many how many Kubernetes distros are there on the list? Maybe oh, like <laughs> there's still a lot. Yeah, too many. Yeah, so, I so mean, there, so not there, as many as Linux distros, but there's a lot of Kubernetes distros, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, so there's three things. One, like like in this area is why, uh, as I was going over earlier, like I, I was trying to revisit like why I would want to do this in the first place. Why I would want to like install a Kubernetes thing other than like that's what one does. Uh, and then two, uh, yeah, like, like I went, I wonder what the list of like, if you're going to be considering like doing Kubernetes stuff, like what is your default list of stuff? And I don't know, you could go to analysts to see this kind of thing, but like, it'd be interesting to see like what people's list normally is. And, and, and then three, I think I, I'm repeating this again, but this concept of the free bake-off I think I think that is a strong enterprise product management and marketing thing that I don't think has been considered mm. in depth operationally is that like as part of your sales process you need to enable the free bake off right. right like and and the 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 reason it's you need to point that out is that it's going to cost you money to be involved in that bake off which most companies are allergic to mm. like they that and and so You've got to somehow figure out it's not it's it's related to the uh, the old thing like you know a developer should be able to do something in thirty seconds or whatever, but equally importantly is that like in order to do a bake off that would lead to a bigger enterprise sale, they have to first want to use some sort of free thing, but they have to be able to do this bake off in comparison to all the other free well, things. Well, I would so make I sure to it, fund that. 
make it even a little simpler. Like I, I think the bake off is someone did it in YouTube, right? Or something that would that would be perfect. Mm. That like get yeah. you a lot yeah. of well, views it, would be would be the following would be show me how to because I think the five, like the people, I think this is the five things people ask about. Okay. I'm thinking about Kubernetes. I want to look at uh, AWS, EKS, Azure, AKS, uh, Google's Anthos and GKS, VMware Tanzu, and Red Hat OpenShift. I'm going to look at those five, right? Yeah. If I've got yeah. a budget or I'm an enterprise. Those are the one I want to see. So if someone did a bake off of like, just like, you know, concise, like let's take some representative app and like, here's how you deploy it across all five of those. And here's the pros and cons for each. That is the bake-off I think everyone wants to see. And then if you want to really, and then the hard way, then have the version the hard way. It's like, here's how you could do it for free. Um, and, you know, here's, and, and then that yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. And then you, but, but, someone but, can look at that inside. There's a segmentation there of, you know, these are the distros you can use for free. And these are the ones that after the bake-off, you have to uninstall. And, and right, so, right. you know, <laughs> you know yeah. Tanzu and OpenShift don't have a free tier. Or, I mean, OpenShift has like a, a limited you know, free tier, but it's all open source, but it's getting back to that, you know, you can't use Red Hat for free. You, you're going to use CentOS. And so I, I know that there's a CentOS of OpenShift, but I don't really know people use it. Um, but if you can just use the exact same EKS or the exact same rancher that is supported, um, that's that's what I'm talking about is the people who are like, you know, yeah, I'm just going to use that thing because it's free and supported. Well, I just want like the wire cutter. I want my like uh, my budget pick. I want my uh, upgrade pick. <laughs> maybe, maybe in this case, there should be like the free pick. Uh, but right, I want right, to speed right, off. Okay, okay. Like, before no, I have to go, because you're, you kind of jump to like the free. This is like, you know, this is kind of like the wire th- cutter thing. It's like sometimes spend next to $50 and get the upgrade pick. And it is so <laughs> worth your money, right? Look, like I'm, sometimes I'm here to the tell budget you, pick you should that. pay for Kubernetes. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. So it's like before you, you're, you're kind of saying that like there's a real need for free Kubernetes. I'm sort of like, I don't think you, I think free Kubernetes is, is like your puppy, right? Like you should have bought a mature dog, Matt. I think you know that, right? Spend the extra money. Get the dog that has oh, been this dog is trained. to me. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> So, so okay, I, I, you, you, uh, uh, you enhanced uh, an, an idea I was just having is, I think what I'm, I'm angling towards here, related to your wire cutter thing, is there should be an entirely different phrase than bake off, because bake off maybe it's just because we're at vendors. Bake off implies you're going to decide on who to give money to, right? Like the point of a bake off is spending. Right. Whereas when it comes to free stuff, like that is not your uh, what's the phrase you used earlier, uh, Matt Ray, something like happy constraints. Like you were there's some snappy phrase you had about like <laughs> operations people in Kubernetes where like you're actually limiting uh, the choices. Yeah, that yeah. They have. You, de- you definitely need constraints. I don't remember. <laughs> and, and so and so there's another category of bake offs, which I don't think we should call bake offs, which is like competing in with free options right because like the thing with like to your point of the wire cutter is once you load in cost like that totally messes up your bake-off criteria right like like if all you're evaluating is like this is the best then like you're always going to end up with like a ferrari at the top of the list (laughs) which is just like you know it's not it's not what people are angling at but but that's the thing about the wire cutter is they're like Stop spending money here. You know, they're like, do not spend more than this much. You know, yeah. it's like, that is better. That Ferrari, it's going to win you your Formula One. But, you know, we're here 
you you know you're you're at NASCAR. Yeah, yeah, and and so so maybe maybe it is as I mean obviously the wire cutter achieved some sort of perfection in what they were doing, right? And so like maybe that is what I missed from a lot of Bake Offs is, and and also write ups of competitive stuff is like. Yeah, but what if I wanted to spend? What if I could spend more money? Right? Like, how much? Like, how much more do I actually get for spending more money? Right. Like versus like, and and the the opposite is true as well. It's like, yeah, but what if I don't want to spend more money? Right? Like, like I'm willing to compromise. Like, I don't really need 4K video for my baby monitor, so maybe I might even be go down to 480p. Like, that's oh, totally yeah. cool, right? And like. Also, like, uh, you know, maybe I could use those big chunky USB things instead of a USB-C cable, right? And and so, like, all those criteria, like, kind of fit. It, it kind of makes just, like, a stock bake-off without those things loaded into it, like, difficult, right? Because yeah. there's, like, like, the like luxury, you, luxury pick, the R pick, the budget pick. And right, then, right, right, right. And, and have so, a free pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Just bake-offs are weird. In, yeah. In, in no, but I, I have absolutely seen bake-offs of free products, you know, and they're yeah. just like, you know, and, and, and I think EKS anywhere is going to clean up on those because, you know, their competition is, is rancher as far as I could tell. So you know, I don't know, maybe we should start out there to, uh, I don't know, is there like a, I guess we have to start with like, is there like a definitive, like good hello world app? That's like, except, you know, because that's really what you need. It's like, okay, here's well, they, the Bake Off app. You should yeah. start. Everyone has to do this app. Uh, and then yeah. you have to show standing it up, like configuring your clusters or whatever, standing it up and then doing like, you know, X, Y, Z. And because that's what I think, that's going to be the hard part is to get it normalized. Because if think, you let the I, vendors yeah. do it, everyone picks the I think the you, you, have, you have to do an app that you can uh, change your your flight ticket to a later date <laughs> within within like three minutes right. like that has that has to be the app that you have like to, does it have like, to have it has to have some persistence you know like we have to like maybe make it like oh a, yeah no, or maybe no, some I, outside, I, I mean right? i mean i'm i'm choosing like a weird thing there because it, it, it implies integrating with a lot of different systems right a, a certain time limit like a certain amount of user experience not having to call someone right so it's got to be like this app that like is a realistic application Right, and it's just like I want to be able to change uh, my flight to tomorrow instead of tonight, and I'm on my phone in a cab, and I have like two minutes. Okay, and so right. like, can I do that? The canonical uh, uh, test yeah. app. All right, well there you go. Can, can we put that into GitOps? To t- <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah, someone and, has and, that. If someone has an app like that, send it to us, and then maybe we and can they're, they're, and, and it's and it's like if you can't make that better, why are you even here? I like right? it. Like that's that's what I need. All right, we'll do it, and then Matt Ray will make it run on every conceivable Kubernetes uh, installation for us. That would Wait, be what? <laughs> no, no, maybe we could recruit some people to like do it for their respective platforms. Yes, I, I would like to see yeah. some Kubernetes stress test apps. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah, I like it though. I like the three minutes with the mobile app. That's that's a very that's a use case we can all. Yeah, and, and and you're in a car like driving from Freisberg to the Munich airport, mm-hmm. and you're like. I've only got 60 euros in my pocket. And this just guy to make it a little bit harder. We also want like uh, someone from your family is also texting you about something unrelated to you doing this, but you also have to switch back and forth to like exactly. respond to their texts because exactly. that would be a true workflow. So I like and you're that. like, it's it's totally cool that I fired off some event into the event. Yeah, grid. yeah. it's like and, change. But like, yeah, that's right. It's got to work. 
right? Like I, I don't, and then also my phone is going to have to reboot. And so I need this, the, the session to persist. Otherwise yeah, I've got to I mean. start this all over again. Session persistence. I like it. This is good. All right. It'll happen. Make it happen. Software defined talk listeners. I don't think Kubernetes does what you think it does. <laughs> don't ruin it, Matt. Don't ruin it for us. Well, 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 this, this goes, this goes back to, to what I was talking about earlier is if like whatever infrastructure can make that possible is the infrastructure that people probably want, right? Like, like that use case from the, from the top, right? Like whatever it takes to trickle down to that is kind of like, that's what you need, right? Like that is the ultimate like uh, thing people are chasing after. So like, if you're going through all this effort to like put some new infrastructure in place or put a new programming model or a new architecture in place, if it can't support like a scenario like that, like why, why, are you, why are you bothering, right? Like just go install like Oracle Rack or whatever. I think it does that, right? And, and <laughs> I'm, I, You've been to too many airports. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, as always, speaking of people who've been in too many airports, you know, if you wanted to go to some uh, some conferences, we have some coming up, which we'll tell you about shortly. But before that, Brandon, is there any bureaucracy we should go over? Yeah, just a few things uh, this week. So one, I want to thank Nate, who sent in uh, a nice video. It's uh, what is a lake house and, and why it matters. So I think last week I said something like, I think Databricks was uh, the first to say this lake house, but he sent me this one from AWS. So I don't know. I, as far as I know, maybe AWS came with it first. So it's good. I feel like I'm uh, you know, finally getting the hang of uh, the lake house. And of course, this seems like their uh, response to... Uh, Snowflake. So, you know, of course, we're data experts here, you know, always take our stock advice. Uh, so I'll, I'll put a nice uh, link in there. Appreciate Nate. And he also kind of sent me a little text was like a little cheat sheet. So I like it when the listeners make it simple for me. And also uh, following up on our chores discussion last week, if you really want to go into it, Peter sent an article on sorting and searching algorithms applied to household chores. So this is another AWS site. So yeah. So if you really want to figure out, are you uh, doing your chores the right way? You have uh, the algorithms that you you can check out there. So um, so check those links out. And then if you like a sticker, uh, just send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. I'll be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. And we're also getting our YouTube channel off off the ground. So if you want to see uh, behind the scenes of what it takes to record uh, an episode, please subscribe to the channel. We'll, we'll probably do some uh, dem- demos and some other videos. Some people I've talked to, they want to show us some stuff. So we'll have some uh, just some video stuff up there soon enough. But until then, you can uh, go behind the scenes and check out our YouTube channel. And I'd appreciate it if you uh, liked and subscribed, not only because I just want you to like and subscribe, is I'm trying to get uh, my own URL, but I got to get 100 subscribers. You know, you know how that is. Everything's gamified these days. So please subscribe. You know, make it easier for me to get uh, a custom URL. So check all that stuff out. We need to have some of those like uh, three hour uh, streams on YouTube where we, since we use Restream, we can like play some uh, some chill music. And maybe maybe next time you're editing the podcast, Brandon, you can just be like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to load up the podcast here. We, and, uh, we could do an listen. EKS anywhere uh, install walkthrough. Oh, that's that's a good idea. <laughs> well, yeah. well uh, I'll 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 uh, I'll call in from my phone in a cab, like mm. uh, trying to change a ticket, and then you can madly be installing uh, some Kubernetes distro. <laughs> and then you'll be like, "Now fix my ticket," and I'll be like, "Hello, world." <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
uh, Kote, I need you to send some YAML. Uh, I need a, a change or a pull request to uh, change. Yeah, that's probably what will happen. Uh, well, also, there's some conferences coming up. So later this month, uh, this being September on September 28th to 30th, there's the DevOps world by CloudBees. Now, if you don't get enough DevOps out of that world, you should join. Uh, we have a conference right before VMworld called DevOps Loop that I've helped put together. Uh, and uh, I just talked with the last speaker that we needed to follow up with to get her, um, her, um, her talk together. And it looks great. Uh, it's, uh, she's going to go over kind of connecting together GitOps and DevOps, uh, which will be a fun talk to see. Pretty much all of these talks, I am genuinely interested in seeing them and I've tried to curate stuff, curate, curate stuff that I'm interested in as well. But anyways, you should check that out. If you go to devopsloop.io, it's October 4th and uh, it's free. You should check it out. Also, there's that conference uh, over there in Round Rock down in Texas. I'm going to go all the directions over there, down there, up there. Which, which one am I missing? You got over there, down there, up there, right here, well, I think. Austin. Yeah. Anyways. It's over in Round Rock, Texas, which is just north of Austin, January 17th to 20th. And then, out of chronological order, there is also KubeCon, October 15th to 11th, if you are going back in time. Which is to say it's October 11th to 15th, and uh, it's online and in person, so uh, y'all can check that out. Now with that, uh, Matt Ray, what is your recommendation this week? Well, uh, spring has uh, started here in Australia. Weather's starting to warm up and uh, got out the hammock. So that's my recommendation. Just, uh, spend some time in your hammock with your laptop and uh, enjoy the, the weather. That's a very Cote recommendation, recommending a concept instead of yes. a, uh, a, a thing. You don't need to spend money. Well, unless you don't have a hammock. Go buy a hammock. Um, hammock. Hammock. What, you ever look up the etymology of the word hammock? Because looking at that word. I have not. Hammock. Hammock. <laughs> That's a strange, strange word. Now, when you lay in a hammock, do you lay do you lay with your feet curved up like a banana, or do you lay flat? Like, what is the uh, what are you what are you supposed to do? Well, well, you know, your body kind of fits the shape of the hammock, so it's vague, you know, pretty banana like. It's but what know. I'm saying is, if if you if you shift perpendicular to the banana. My understanding is the hammock is supposed to expand out. Oh, can so you, you can get like a, a little, a little straighter? Yeah, yeah. Then you can lay flat. I don't know. Man. That's a, some advanced hammockry right there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. How about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend? Let's see. Uh, a couple things this week. I want to recommend. I finished this book called Recursion. So it's uh, uh, of course, when I say I finished this book, I mean I listened to it on Audible. So it's good. It's really a kind of some kind of a sci-fi kind of um, uh, book. And it was, if you kind of like Christopher Nolan type movies, if you like that kind of stuff, I think Recursion was was a really good read. And I found this um, by a recommendation of, I'm going to go an anti-recommendation here, but every, uh, people really like The Martian. And then uh, the writer of The Martian also wrote this book, uh, Project Hail Mary, which I also listened to. And I, I honestly, I don't think that these books are that good. But somebody said that, um, that had read that they said recursion was a lot better and it was a lot better. So I don't know. I finished project Hail Mary. I thought it was kind of a little bit boring, got a little dull, but I also thought the Martian was boring. I don't know if you guys saw that movie or watched, read that book, but I just was like, yeah, he's growing potatoes in on Mars. Great. <laughs> like, can we like move on? 
Uh, and because there's just so much detail about how he's growing the potatoes, which is guess what people like. It's like, I don't care. Like he's growing potatoes. Let's move on to some more plot. But uh, um, so I was not in on Project Hail Mary. Maybe you'll be into it, but I was all in on recursion. So check that out if you're looking for something to listen to. Now, wait, didn't you recommend The Martian? I feel like the reason I read no, that book is you recommended it. Or I don't think so. Ray? I would hope not. No, I, hope I haven't I read it. I, I mean, the movie, uh, I saw the movie. The movie was yeah, all right. good. Uh, maybe I recommended the movie because that's definitely the way to see it. But the huh. book, if you thought the movie was slow, whew, I got some time for you in the book, man. Man, I, I need to it. go look this up because I could have. Hmm, hmm. Did you read The Martian? Did you read it? Coach? Oh, yeah, yeah. What did I you think? It. Did you like it? Am uh, I being too hard on it? I mean, this is a long time ago. But yeah, I, I thought it was fine. It, it must be one of those books that like, if you were to boil it down to a plot, you'd be like, this is, as you say, growing potatoes. But like maybe just the way that it was written made it uh, compelling and interesting. All right. Well, I don't know. I just don't have that. And hey, let me also go back and clean up something I said. So I before I said on that household chores, actually the recommendation was Algorithms to Live By, which is a book that was posted on Amazon. I was thinking it was AWS, but not so. So that's a book that uh, one of the listeners recommended, Algorithms to Live By. So a couple things to read, uh, or maybe not read, depending on if you like them, like learning about potatoes or not. So there you go. Well, I have I have two non-potato recommendations. The first one is, speaking of books, I, I, I am experimenting with a, uh, I don't know, you might even call it a life hack. I'm not sure. But uh, what, I, what I realized is I hear all these book recommendations and I go put them in Goodreads, like want to read, and I never go look at them, right? But, but what you can do in Kindle is you can send a free sample. So I've been using the ability to send free samples as a sort of bookmark of books that I want to read and we'll see if it actually works. Cause in theory, and this has happened a couple of times, I'll go and like read the free sample and then I'll decide to buy the whole book. And so I think that might be a better way to track uh, books that you want to read. Now, my other recommendation, I, I forget the exact name of the app. I'll put it in the show notes, which will be available at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 319. Uh, but I, I read in uh, one of these newsletters gives like writing advice that the uh, the original Webster's Dictionary, written in the late 1800s or early 1900s, is actually very, uh, what's the word? Not poetic. It's, it's not like a uh, sterile sort of like scientific dictionary that you would have nowadays, very like straightforward. There's a lot of artistry in it. And so like, if you're interested, it's fun to go look up words in there and see like very extended kind of arty discussions of uh, definitions that you're not used to. And there's lots of apps you can go buy or you can get the original text. But go hunt down the uh, the original Webster's Dictionary for some uh, fun reading about things. So as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. I believe this is episode 319, as I referenced earlier. So if you want to get the show notes for this episode, including links of things we've talked to and things we didn't talk to, the recommendations that we had, the memories that we've made, all sorts of things like that. You can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 319 and see those and find out how to subscribe uh, to the newsletter that we have that has all sorts of great stuff in it, everything I just mentioned. Join the Slack and things like that. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Man, programming was pretty easy. You just sort of sit there. You're completely unattached from any business concern or, you know, what's going on. You just kind of like talking with people about coding stuff and like, that's it.